faithwire.com. Winona and Ashley Judd speak out after the untimely death of Naomi Judd. And we'll have those reactions and more. Today is Monday, May 2nd, 2022. I'm Dan Andros. And uh, this is the 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faith. Why you can subscribe to us on iTunes. We would love to have you join us as we go through the news of the day from a Christian perspective. With me today, as always, Trey Gons Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faith Wire with a quick look at uh, what's coming up today. What's going on, guys? Happy uh, Monday. Well, it's almost the weekend. Again, uh, <laughs> right around the corner. Right around the corner. A few <laughs> short days away. Yeah. Well, um, like you said, I'm going to be talking about uh, Winona Judd and Ashley Judd finally speaking out uh, last night. I mean, mm. less than one, you know, less than 24 hours. Yeah, after that's their, tough in a public appearance. Yeah, after their mom passed away. It's hard, yeah. but it's an important yeah. story. It's a sad one. Uh, well, we're also going to be talking about Dr. Pavi Razanin, the embattled member of Finland's parliament. She thought her battle over religious freedom and religious liberty was over. It is not. The prosecutors are appealing her case, so we'll talk about that. Yeah, interesting case because I think it does have implications here in America, even though it's mm. happening over there. I think that's the sort of thing that a lot of people are watching uh, carefully yeah. as to what happened. And um, I'll be talking about Bill Maher, his defense of the Babylon Bee. It was very interesting, and of course he criticized Christianity, and couldn't he couldn't help get a jab in there. But uh, but interesting comments defending the Babylon Bee, and uh, kind of speaking out against all the ridiculous censorship that's going on on social media platforms. So we'll have the fallout and the reaction to that uh, coming up. But uh, why don't we uh, why don't we start Trey with uh, your story? You got the top story today. Yeah, so country music legend Naomi Judd uh, passed away unexpectedly Saturday afternoon. She was 76 years old. She had battled uh, mental health and depression and even suicidal ideation uh, over the years. She had a, a difficult life. and so. But this is the statement that they released Saturday afternoon, uh, really just, you know, I think, less than two hours after Naomi Judd had passed away. This is what Winona and Ashley her two daughters said in a statement, Today we sisters experienced a tragedy. We lost our beautiful mother to the disease of mental illness. We are shattered. We're navigating profound grief and know that as we loved her, she was loved by her public. We are in unknown territory. And then yesterday evening, Sunday evening, uh, Winona and Ashley uh, appeared together at the Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum in Nashville, where the Judds, which was made up of Naomi and her daughter Winona, uh, were to be inducted into that the the Country Music Hall of Fame. Uh, and this is a brief portion of what Ashley and then Winona had to say yesterday. My mama loved you so much, and she appreciated your love for her. And I'm sorry that she couldn't hang on until today. Your esteem for her and your regard for her really penetrated her heart. And it was your affection for her that did keep her going in these last years. And please come see Pop. Please do come see him. And while this is so much about the Judds as a duo, I want to take a moment to recognize my sister, a goat. Do you know what that means? I didn't prepare anything tonight because I knew mom would probably talk the most. (laughs) Um, I'm going to make this fast because my heart's broken. 
and I feel so blessed, and it's a very strange dynamic to be this broken and this blessed. So she ended her comments uh, by saying that she, even though she's heartbroken, she will continue to sing. Uh, and then Ash, actually, they all joined together, Ashley, Winona, uh, and everybody at the museum uh, joined together in reciting Psalm 23, uh, which was really important to the Judd family because uh, Winona also said during her speech at another moment, it, her, her whole speech only lasted about four minutes and obviously was really emotional. Uh, but she said that her mom passed away at 2.20 p.m. on Saturday. She said she kissed her on the forehead and walked away. Uh, but before Naomi passed away, uh, she said that Winona, Ashley, and other loved ones uh, there at the house all prayed Psalm 23 together, which of course is the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. Uh, you know, he lets me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Uh, that whole chapter they read together. Uh, like I said, her speech was only four minutes long and the crowd in Nashville uh, recited the Psalm uh, with her. Uh, so it's just such a a tragic story and was shocking. And the, the Judds were about to, to reunite for their final tour uh, that was going to kick off uh, this uh, fall. Uh, in early April, they performed uh, together, Love Can Build a Bridge, which is the song that they sang together in 1990, uh, right after uh, Naomi had been diagnosed with hepatitis C and they retired uh, as a duo. Uh, they sang the, that song together at, at the end of their time together. And this in April was their first performance that they had done as the Judds at, at an award show in more than 20 years. Uh, I think good news for believers here, and this will be kind of where I, I wrap up the story, uh, is that Naomi Judd was a Christian. Uh, she has been really open, especially since her, her 2018 book. Uh, she's been really open about sexual abuse that she had endured as a, a child, uh, and then the rape that endured as a young mother, just 22 years old. Uh, and she talked about her struggles with depression. And even in an interview with CBN in 2018, uh, she said that her depression got so bad, I was actually suicidal. She said, I'm certainly not ashamed to say that I was on some antidepressant medications. I believe there are times in life where we have to raise our hand and say, I need help. She said she found a good doctor. Um, and there was one moment when she actually held a gun. It, it was unloaded, but she held it to her temple uh, in the bathroom at her and her husband, Larry Strickland's house. Uh, she said Larry Strickland, her husband, saw her. He was a pastor's kid uh, and, and said, okay, you need to, we need to get some serious help here for you. Uh, and he talked to her about faith and said, you know, you're first and foremost a spiritual being, um, and there are spiritual solutions and spiritual answers. Obviously, there are physical things that we can do, like seeing a counselor, being on medication, and all those things. But he said there are spiritual solutions to these issues, and you shouldn't neglect that. Uh, and they, they walked through that process together many years ago. Uh, and she told CBN, I have faith, I believe in God, and I've gotten through all of this stuff because of those three things, my faith, my hope, and my belief in an eternal God. And uh, so Naomi's been really open, had been really open about her faith. Uh, Winona also has been really open about her Christian faith. So I, I hope that as Christians, we can find solace in knowing uh, that hopefully we know where we know where she is, uh, and she is hopefully at you know at, at peace now uh, with her Savior. So just uh, incredibly heartbreaking story, especially to be so sudden and unexpected. Yeah, and it's tough because as Christians, you know, I think we struggle with this, and you know, there's no official word on it, but you know, 
by all accounts, this looks like this was self-inflicted. This looks like this was yeah. potentially suicide here. And you know, just running on that based on the evidence that we have right now, you know, without saying it definitive, definitively, you know, that's sure what it points to. And, I, and, it, and it's a tough one for Christians to, because you want to, like you were saying, you know, that, that hope that she's, and that knowledge that as a Christian, regardless of whatever sin you commit, even if it's against yourself, you're going to be forgiven of that sin. But at the same time, there's that, that, I don't know, that tension there, because of yeah. course you don't want to really just completely celebrate it because you know, there was, you know, if in, indeed was suicide, there's a wrong done there. And so it's a tough one. How do you grieve that? How do you, I mean, we, we've dealt with this topic with, you know, Pastor Jared Wilson um, and, you know, same situation and well, not same situation, but, but similar. Um, yeah. And so it's just, it's tough. It's a tough one to wrestle with because it, it really hurts loved ones. I think for all of us who've had a loved one who has ended their own life, it's, it's one of those things that it really, it hurts more. It really does. It really does hurt more than just if they would have passed a different way. And, you know, that's at least how I felt about it, you know, experiencing it ourselves. And, um, so it's tough. It's a tough one, you know, um, all around you, you grieve for the family, you grieve for uh, their loved ones. And, um, and at the same time, you know, you just, I think you just got to pray for them as they wrestle with that whole dynamic going forward. Yeah, I think it's a particularly, and again, we don't know the official word, you know, saying right. you know, that somebody died from mental health, you know, struggles that the assumption is going to be that. And I think, you know, you don't heal very easily from that as a family member or a friend, because there's not an explanation for it. It's very difficult, right, to understand. And I think, yeah, there's so, there's so much there. And I think the, the Christian world really grapples with, with these issues, like everyone else does. But I think as Christians trying to understand what that means for a believer who, um, goes through that. And so, you know, our prayers are, are with the family right now because it, I think there's an extra layer. When somebody dies, there's always that struggle. But when it's something like this, again, if this is what it is, that it, that is suicide, it, it adds an extra three layers, I think, to that yeah. of trying to move yeah. through that, that process. And, you know, it's, I think fame is a very difficult thing for people. And again, not reading into this particular circumstance, but, but I think it's a, a real struggle for a lot of people. And so um, also I, I think these situations point us back to our need to point people to hope, right. And to point people to Jesus and to check in with people around us, you know, that mm -hmm. we all, we all may know people who, who struggle mm -hmm. and just sending that text or that message to see how they're doing. It's, it's a reminder always to me to do that. Yeah. I mean, I think to an, even another layer that's added to this is they have not toured, Winona and Naomi have not toured together in many, many years. And they were going to kick off this final tour. So they were both gearing up for this, right? And so it, it's another layer of something that they have to say goodbye to. Like this is this is not going to happen. This tour that we were getting ready to do that was going to be, you know, the final big celebration of of the Judds. Um, is not going to go forward the way that they were anticipating. So it's, yeah, there's a lot there to grieve. So I think certainly, like you said, Billy, it's going to echo be in prayer for them because it's, it's a hard road to, to journey through because they're in a, a period of shock right now, but that's going to wear off and they're going to have to process this and it's, yeah. it's going to be hard. Yeah, indeed. 
All right. So we'll go into our next story now, which is about Dr. Pavi Razanin, the embattled member of Finland's parliament. Now, we've covered this story a lot. We've talked about it on the on the show. She went on trial, if you'll recall, for alleged hate speech charges over her biblical views and statements on homosexuality. And she went on trial and she won. And what's interesting about it is we thought, okay, this is over. What was so crazy about her case was that she went on trial in the first place, that sending a tweet with a Bible verse from Romans and you know, publishing a pamphlet about same-sex relationships, this, these weren't examples of saying hateful things. She was saying biblical truths about marriage, what she believed the Bible said about marriage, and was actually held criminally liable for that in court. And so it shocked everybody she won, but now the prosecutor has apparently decided to move forward. Not apparently, definitely decided to move forward and to appeal the case. Razanin sent a, a statement out to Faithwire and other media outlets on Friday and said, quote, I am ready to defend freedom of speech and religion in the higher courts. Today, April 29th, 2022, the prosecutor has announced that she will appeal to the unanimous acquittal verdict of the district court in the Bible trial to the court of appeal on all counts. So basically they're appealing on all counts. Razanin believes the case could make its way up to Finland's Supreme Court. And here's why it matters. It matters because this would cement the legal structure through which religious freedom is handled in Finland, right? This is what the battle was about, whether or not you have religious freedom, whether or not the, the rights of same-sex couples or homosexual individuals supersede you know, essentially, quote unquote, First Amendment rights. They don't have our same constitution, obviously, but they do have religious freedom in Finland. And so whatever happens with this case is going to have a major, major implication for religious people in Finland. Beyond that, though, I think it's a little bit of a, quote unquote, crystal ball into what could be happening in America. We're looking at very similar issues here. We're seeing a lot of people on the progressive side, on the left, really want to restrict and punish speech that they don't agree with when it comes to these issues of gender and sexuality. When it comes to Razanin's case, she's already spent three years fighting this battle. So, so picture this. This person who is a member of parliament was the interior minister at one point of the country. This is a prominent politician. It's a Newt Gingrich, let's say, you know, um, in her own right, in her country, being held up on these charges. She already fought that battle. Now she's going to have to spend potentially years fighting this appeal. What was so interesting about her response, she said she was happy that this case, even though there's an appeal she's not happy about, that it's actually leading to a discussion about the teaching of Bible in, uh, the Bible in society, that it's shedding light on the truth. And she just kept reiterating that she was ready to fight in any court necessary, and she'd be willing to go all the way up to the European Court of Human Rights if she needs to, to make sure that her rights are validated. Um, and so... You know, one of the one of the other parts of this that I think is important is that she's accused the prosecutors of making things up, of actually falsifying some of the things that she said. And I won't go into all the details. We have them over on faithwire.com. You can read about it. Um, but actually taking words that were not there to make it seem like she said things far worse about homosexuality. And even if she did say those things again, they'd be covered under free speech. They weren't mm. threats to people's lives or anything right. like that. But her point was that she's been misrepresented in all of this. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens from here. I think there's a lot to come on this. We're going to be hearing a lot more. Uh, there's no word yet on when this appeal will actually play out in the courts. Uh, but again, you know, this is, this is a major issue, 
not just in Finland, but across mm. the board. And I think here in America, we really need to be looking at, you know, where does this go from here? Yeah, I, I do think it's it's sort of a harbinger of things to come here in America. And I, and I, I would be shocked if there weren't secular activists here in America that were not watching this closely to sort of take notes because we already see the the shark bumps of it happening now the 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 trial balloons where there are these test test kind of thoughts that they throw out there to see how far you can push religious freedom in America and we saw it during covid we saw it with church lockdowns you know we see it with criticizing biblical speech i mean we chris pratt being labeled um uh what did, what did they call him in in uh, salon we we talked about it disgrace. last week but disgrace and his what was the disgracing was he had a a loose or a distant relationship with a pastor who made a documentary who did the horrible crime of just describing a uh, biblical marriage as between a man and a woman and they call that anti-lgbt and so there's definitely a movement in that direction and when you couple that with cancel culture, which is a real thing, people yeah. pressuring and losing jobs over views that pop up on Twitter or social media or wherever else they may surface. So you couple those two things that are certainly increasing, and then you see the legal part of it already happening uh, in this story that you brought up, Billy. And I think it's to me, it feels inevitable that those the legal part and the cultural part are, are going to, are going to butt heads eventually. Yeah. Well, and I think Rossinen has kind of found she's cracked the code as far as what's the right way to respond to this, yeah. particularly when it comes to cancel culture, because if you, if you like, you know, kowtow to the, the desire from the mob, then they'll just keep taking more and more and more. You know, if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile and then another mile. But um, Rossinen, by refusing to back down, uh, you know, the quote that you have at the end of your article, Billy, says, I'm going to fight for as far as it is possible, and I will not recant what I've said. I will not renounce my beliefs and my faith, and I will encourage all Christians to be open about their faith and open about the Bible. I think that's the right position. It's like, look, I didn't do anything wrong, because if she kind of kowtowed to them, it would be almost a, an indirect admission. You're right. I shouldn't have done it. That was wrong. Uh, but she's standing around like I did not do anything wrong by holding to a mainstream uh, Christian view that has been the Christian view for millennia. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's she's laying the groundwork for uh, the appropriate way to deal with these things, because like you said, Dan, it's not going to be long, unfortunately, before this stuff heads to Canada. It's already happening in, in some in Canada in some ways, but heads into the U.S. I don't I don't think that's uh, too distant in the future. Yeah. And, and I think we have to, we have to look at this and like you were saying, not backing down. I think the big thing is people just back right down. They, they freak yeah. out and they want it to go away and she's not willing to do that. And I think we need more people. If, if you look at cancellation, the people who don't back down, yeah. they're the ones who actually do the best yeah, and right. they survive the best. And it's kind of interesting. Now, of course, if you've done something really wrong, you should apologize and make amends. But the point is these people are not doing anything wrong and they should not they should not back down. Right. It's encouraging. I mean, regardless of if you agree with somebody or not, I mean, we should be, when you say, you know, the people who are standing up, I would celebrate somebody on the left who is getting kind of unjustly attacked just for a standard view, uh, you know, on the secular left. Uh, I would, I would be 
more than supportive of somebody who stood up to the cancel mob because I don't want people canceled when I disagree with them. I just want to be able to engage with them because I think Christian ideals are the best. I think that's what God wants for us. So I am happy to discuss those and debate those and talk about them, but that doesn't seem like what a lot of people want right now. And so I think it's important for all kinds of people uh, to stand up and for their values. And so we can have those discussions and let the chips fall where they may, but silencing is never the way to go. And um, so it's good to see when voices do stand up sort of against this cancel culture. And that brings us to story number three here with HBO's real-time host, Bill Maher, who's, he's an atheist. He's even in this clip, you're going to hear, he kind of makes a jab at, you know, a lighthearted jab at Christianity He's he's done documentaries, you know, criticizing Christianity. So he's no friend to the Christian movement here, but he has made a lot of sense to a lot of people on both sides of the aisle speaking out against what we were just talking about, this propensity to silence and this knee-jerk reaction to just shut down anybody who disagrees. And so he had some interesting comments while discussing what uh, Twitter has done. He, uh, in this clip, I think it, it begins right after he sort of criticized Twitter and saying they failed for trying to be set themselves up as this arbiter of what is acceptable speech and what isn't. And then he cited, well, you silenced the New York Post and shut down their account over the Hunter Biden laptop emails, which turned out to be a true story. Uh, and then he cited uh, another story as well. And Bill, you might remember since you went through this thing, but I'm I'm forgetting what the second one that he was citing was. He cited... Uh, the Hunter COVID. Biden one. Oh, then the COVID. COVID. That's right. The lab. Yep. Right. The lab leak. You couldn't talk about that. You you got silenced on that. Well, it turns out that that's a plausible uh, theory now, even though it's still yet to be 100% verified. But you you would get suspended on Twitter if you went ahead and put that put that out there, and it, and then they backtrack on it. So he points those things out, and then he goes, "Have you heard of the Babylon B?" Apparently, he had never heard of it before, and he um, he discusses this video that Babylon B made in which they mocked Twitter for being too sensitive. And then the video, when they posted it, got labeled sensitive content. So he was talking about that. But I want you to pay close attention to what he says to the guest, who I think is Ali Veshi from Zen MSNBC host, uh, or is he on CNN now? I don't know. I've lost track of where Ali Veshi goes. But you'll hear him make a crack on Christian satire and listen to Bill Maher's response. This is really interesting. Take, take a listen. Did you read about this Babylon Bee? Do you know what the Babylon Bee is? I didn't know this. No. It's like the Christian version of the onion. (laughs) Because everyone needs that. Well, some people do. I thought that was not all you and me, okay? It says you're trusted source for Christian news and satire. I didn't know there's such a thing (laughs) as Christian satire. I thought the religion itself was satire. That's me. I'm not everybody, okay? I'm not everybody. Have a little humility. So there he goes, have a little humility. But I thought that was interesting, guys, and that's where I want to pick up the conversation, um, in that he he seemed indignant. He was a little irritated at um, Ali for making that crack. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not everybody. Some people do need it because he was trying to mock, oh, we don't need, who needs Christian satire? Uh, just a very elitist sort of comment. And he's Bill Maher, for all the views that most of us probably disagree with him on, 
he's spot on on that one, sensing that holier than thou sort of attitude and calling it out because, yeah, some people, there, there's a lot of different views in the country and there's a huge market for Christian satire. And he's recognizing that that's, you know, good for a lot of people. And uh, and then he when he discussed the video, you could tell he understood it was a funny video and made reference as such. But uh, anyway, so I just found that really, really interesting from Mar there that he kind of scolded the guests for doing that. Yeah. And it's, you know, as you kind of as you kind of look at this, people like Bill Maher are watching what the rest of us are watching. And there are a lot of people on the left in this position where they believe they actually do believe in free speech. They might criticize certain things that conservatives or Christians believe in, but they're exercising that free speech. And yeah. then when they start to see it be restricted, even among people with whom they disagree, because they're actually standing by that ideal, they they sort of respond to that. And I think it's an encouraging thing. The discouraging thing is to watch the rebukes that people like Bill Maher are then getting for standing up for the values that liberals have claimed to hold dear for eons, and yet so many are not actually living by it. It's not just a problem on the left. It's a problem on the right as well, right? If you hear something you don't like, that you want to just sort of push people out. And the problem, though, I think on the left that we're seeing is that when you own, and we talk about this almost every episode now, Hollywood, the media, universities, and now social media yeah. – there's very few places to go to actually get your free speech out at, the, yeah, at this point. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, Bill Maher was on, uh, on Ben Shapiro's podcast not that long ago. It was like a, a, one of the weekend, like Sunday episodes. Uh, and he, he said, <clears throat> uh, Ben asked him what he thinks about having been on Fox news. And now you're on conservative sites. And he's like, look, I have not changed my position on anything. Uh, in in you know, 30 years or you know whatever he said it's just the left that has moved away from from where I am uh, he said I so it, it's just interesting to see that he's now finding camaraderie with all these different people and the the elitist like leftist thought leaders um, are now kind of turning their backs on Bill Maher I mean you have to be in quite an upside down world <laughs> When the far left is looking at Bill Maher and saying, you know, he's way too conservative for me. It's like Bill Maher, like the the most like flamboyantly anti-Christian man right. uh, comedian that has ever uh, been. Maybe Ricky Gervais is the only other one who comes to mind that's that could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him on making fun of Christianity. Yeah. Uh, you know, and being super progressive on all these issues. So it's just... I think it's just indicative of the culture that we've all created and now we're kind of reaping some of the consequences. And I guess yeah. in this case, maybe some of the benefits of it. Yeah. And I, and I hope people don't, you know, Christians and people who align, don't align politically with Bill Maher. Hopefully they don't, when he then turns around and says something, you know, very leftist that they're that, not that, shocked. That they're like, Oh, we, Bill Maher was doing great. Now he's doing bad. Like, that there's this tribalism response, and I think why Bill yes. Maher's comments are resonating with people is because he feels like an honest broker. All right, he has his views. You know, we, you can disagree with them, but at least you can. You, he doesn't feel like a shill. He's not going right. to just sit there and just disagree to disagree. And I think that's the most you can ask for. I think from people, and that's the standard we should shoot for as well. Right? Like, don't kowtow when when people uh, on your own side are disagreeing with you and then just, you know, or somebody on the other side comes along and says something and you, you know, you don't really disagree with it that much. Don't sit out there and throw flaming arrows when you, 
maybe agree with them. You gotta. It takes courage to stand up and not be just part of the in crowd on your side and, and yelling at whoever's disagreeing with you for the day. So, but I think that's why people respect Mar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think, and I think there are others who are going to fall into this camp as well as time yeah. goes on. I think you're yeah. going to see more and more people. I mean, yeah. Barry Weiss is one of those. Like she'll frequently say the former New York times writer, like I'm not conservative. Yeah. She, said, she said, but conservatives are right on the free speech issue. So I'm with them on that. Yeah. But what issue is more important than that at this point? And that's the interesting thing, right? You know, I, I start to wonder if some of these people will come around on some other other issues. Maybe not. But but to me, the First Amendment, there's a reason it's the First Amendment. Yep. You know, yep. These are essential issues of association, of freedom, of speech, of religion, the very basis of who you are. Culture is telling people who you are is your sexuality or your preference. Yeah. And but right. but who you really are, what you believe, the things that are inside of your heart, that that is and look, the First Amendment covers people who believe in those things too. But my point is if you don't have a healthy view on that, man, I yeah. don't know. Well, and I think you're seeing the ramifications last thing before, and I know you've got you've got a story that can leave Monday on a good note here, Billy. But before we get to that, I you know, I just think that this sort of tribalism that is protect at all costs and spin at all costs that seeped into the institutions, particularly on the left with the fact checkers and everything else, you can see the distrust, what it does. People just kind of tune this stuff out and you don't even have to, a lot of people just don't even care what they say. They're like, well, I'm just going to throw some red meat to the mob and I'll be good. Yeah. I'll get yelled at by the other side, but who cares? My side's going to agree with me. And I think you're seeing the ramifications for that. Cause a lot of people are just like, ah, okay, I don't, what, I don't even know what to believe anymore. <laughs> All this stuff seems like nonsense. So um, it's damaging. It's damaging. And I think you're right, Bill. I think more people are going to start standing out and maybe that will be sort of the rebellious thing to do is to not be tribal. Yeah. So. Yeah. Evangeline Lilly is another example right? Yeah, that we you absolutely know, with the vaccine. So. stuff. So, well, that kind of brings us to the last story, which is, you know, NYPD, we talk about cops. They've also had a lot of misrepresentation yeah. and, you know, stereotypes over the last couple of years. Um, but we found this really fun story in New York City where the NYPD, the New York Police Department, they, and I guess they do this every year. I didn't realize this, but they actually encourage the public to donate gently used prom dresses, suits, ties, and all the things that go along, you know, for a prom. And they open up a school on one Saturday, one of the high schools, and any teenager who's in need they allow them to come and they get, and they set it up really nice. They get a free prom dress or a free suit. Cause a lot of these kids in New York city, they, they don't have the resources to go out and get those mm. things. And so they give them quote, a prom to remember. That's how the police uh, put it out there. And they've been putting flyers out. They've had this on social media and the NYPD was able to get more than 2000 dresses, suits, and, and, you know, items. And they served hundreds of teenagers this past Saturday um, just again, giving them the things they need to have a great prom. And it's such a simple story, but a really cool um, thing just to see the cops. They don't need to do that. They're going above and beyond to help with something totally unrelated to what their job is. And I thought that was that was pretty yeah. cool to see. Yeah, that is really great. Um, you know, because we don't get a lot of positive news these days. So it's great to end it <laughs> on an uplifting note. So with yeah. that, we'll let you head into your rest of your monday we've done it we've done it we've gotten you through okay so you're not all the way through your monday but but you're almost but still there. you're welcome you're welcome you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> all right well as always head on over to cbidews.com faithwire.com for more news from a christian perspective and as always we'll be back here tomorrow lord willing and the creek don't rise god bless we'll see you then <laughs>